This is Angel Insights brought to you by Syndicate Room, the show that delves inside the world of early stage investing to reveal the tips, tactics and strategies of some of the brightest and best angels. Now joining me today is Megan Cross. Megan is the Managing Director at Red Bear Angels, which she joined with nearly a decade of operating experience, launching and growing media and software companies in New York and Silicon Valley. As an early director at Stylecaster, Megan led the digital media conglomerate's marketing team through the business's exit to She Knows Media. Before that, Megan was in PR, helping to build Skype and Foursquare into household names. She also draws venture experience from working with Bowery Capital, Foundation Capital, Metamorphic Ventures, and Starvest Partners. And Megan is also the founder of Cross Venture Services LLC, a launch advisor to such commerce platforms as Salo, which was a Techstars 2015 company, Shareswell, and Thursday Boot Company. However, without further ado, it's now time for me to hand over to Megan Cross, Managing Director at Red Bear Angels. Megan, such a pleasure to have you on the show today. Uh, thank you so much for giving up the time to join me. Thank you, Harry. It's such a pleasure as well. Now, I'd love to start off today by hearing about how you made your first foray into the early stage investing ecosystem. What was your entry point? Sure. So my entry point was actually from the operational side. Going going back a little bit, I came into early stage investing from the operational side after graduating from Cornell, which was back in 2008, with a degree in textile science and a focus in ergonomics and gerontology of all things. Um, it's very common amongst investors. That right, right. Uh, all of which, needless to say, I have yet to actually put to use in the professional world. Um, <laughs> so like early in my career, basically right after graduating college, I went into public relations and um, I was first representing Skype, but I was primarily representing companies all in the early stage at very critical inflection points. I was representing Skype from the time of their early days working out of eBay's satellite office um, through their ultimate acquisition by Microsoft. But perhaps what was the most impactful was when I was working on the PR for Foursquare during their first year of operation. Um, And during this time, New York was really just starting to fall in love with startups and Dennis and Naveen were were pretty much the brilliant celebrities behind the cause. Um, I mean, Mayor, Ble- Mayor Bloomberg even like had us to Gracie Mansion to emphasize what a priority it was for him at the time. So I was really fascinated by both all of the resources being put into early stage companies, as well as the company that Dennis and Naveen had had created. So so much so that I decided to actually move to an even earlier stage company in more of a BD role. Um, so I joined the early team of Stylecaster Media Group, which um, we grew to ultimately become a leading media conglomerate for fashion, beauty, and women's lifestyle, um, and then ultimately sold to a larger media entity called She Knows Media. But what was the most interesting thing in this process is that through every obstacle obstacle and growing pain of building Stylecaster, we would often turn to our investors for guidance and and these investors, particularly those with entrepreneurial experiences of their own, um, they always seem to, to sort of have the answers. And, and that ability to, to just provide meaningful value to, to a variety of growing companies all at once really inspired me to, to make that move over to the investment side. Um, so, so right around the time that we were preparing to exit Stylecaster, I went back to school to get my MBA, become a bit more comfortable with the financial the financial dyna- dynamics surrounding early stage venture. So while I was pursuing my MBA at Columbia here in New York, um, I 
worked remotely for Foundation Capital in, in Menlo Park. But um, I also did some work for Bowery Capital, Starvis Partners, and Metamorphic Ventures all here in New York. And during this time, I actually started my own venture services LLC, um, through which I selectively selectively took on startups to handle their launch strategies and work with companies like Salo, which you may have seen graduated tech stars in 2015, and mm-hmm. Vettery, which just raised a ton from Graycroft. They're doing so well. And just helped them uh, help them launch leveraging my own PR bread and butter skills. Basically, through friends in the VC community, I got connected to Thatcher Bell, who you just met, and uh, Sam C- Sam Cizak and other fellow Cornell alumni who who are now my board of advisors. And and they brought me on to formally launch the operational LLC behind Red Bear Angels and manage it, given given they all have their respective full-time jobs of running their own private equity and venture capital firms. So that's really how I got onto the investing side full-time. I- but I have to yeah. say, I do have so many questions to dig in on, on that. Um, one, one of my first ones, uh, going back a little to, as you said, working with the likes of Foursquare and Skype, what were your big takeaways from, from being kind of on the ground and in the weeds with, with such companies as they were scaling into hyper growth mode? Sure. So telling a story is one thing, but being able to create a conversation around that story is the most interesting inflection point I think an early stage company has. So the first time I heard a random person on the street use Skype as a verb, I, w- I was just, I can't tell you how excited I was. And the first time that um, I you know, could overhear somebody in the street bragging about being a mayor or taking advantage of a, of a deal through Foursquare. But I think probably was the most interesting to me was seeing investors provide strategic value add. I mean, we hear about value add um, as this empty buzzword all the time. But when it really works, it works so well. So for example, for Foursquare, when so I, I was working with a PR agency and Andreessen Horowitz actually connected us to Foursquare. Margaret Wenmarker's whole team at Andreessen Horowitz is able to, they, they have this huge PR muscles, I'm sure you know, mm-hmm. that actually does tactical work for the startups in which they're investing. I guess it was back in 2010, I want to say, or 2011, when I really started to see this. It was way before people used the word value add the way they do. So I think that being able to leverage the resources that investors are able to provide more than than simply the capital is perhaps one of the more interesting dynamics for early stage companies I was able to learn then. And, and, and going back to that operational experience that you had there, do you think all investors need to have operational experience to really provide such strategic value add to portfolio companies? Everybody's value add is different. Uh, I personally found it really helpful when I was at Stylecaster to take notes from somebody like a Mike Kariakis, uh, who was one of our investors and you know, the CEO of Everyday Health, um, given his experience to hear tips from him. And I think that a lot of, of folks at the operational level really um, feel that empathy, understand uh, similar nuances to, to folks coming from similar backgrounds. Um, that said, it, it's always helpful to have some with banking experience when you're going through a, a large transaction. Um, and it's always helpful to have somebody with consulting experience when you're ready to, to put together um, a really robust presentation when you're going out to fundraise. So there are all different types of value add that somebody can provide given their backgrounds. And then what did the learning process look for, look like for you in making that transition from the world of operations to investing? Well, that's pretty much why I went to grad school, because I wanted to become more comfortable with the financial dyna- dynamics of early stage investing. Um, but Did, but did perhaps, you find that really prepared you though practically for the world of term sheets and kind of founder relations and deal sourcing? Term sheets, yes. Founder relations, 
not as much because what's more important is actually just building the relations and getting experience, um, actual tangible experience. Sourcing, yes, primarily because I just rely a lot on fellow friends from my MBA program who are now principals and partners of various VC firms here in New York um, to share deal notes. Mm-hmm. But that's probably a personal experience. Um, what, um, what perhaps was one of the more challenging transitions, though, and I think going through that the MBA that trains you more objectively um, and more quantitatively focused helped me to do was transition from a PR and marketing role where I was paid to be an optimist to an investor role where, where I'm rewarded for being shrewd, um, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think that's, that's something that I continue to learn on a day-to-day basis as I'm working with founders. So, so how, how do you assess the early stage funding landscape now in terms of um, proliferation of seed funds, comp- composition, uh, standing out in terms of value adds? There's always going to be capital, right? Entrepreneurs have endless access to capital. Capital is a commodity. But what's not a commodity is relevant domain expertise. And I think entrepreneurs have the ability now to be pickier about selecting those investors who can be partners and share relevant domain and functional expertise with them post-investment. I think that's a trend that we're seeing a lot more of now. Perhaps I'm biased just coming from the angel group dynamic where we connect angel investors with the entrepreneurs based on the ways in which they can be most helpful. But I think what we're seeing more and more of is um, early stage founders looking to individuals um, or firms where they can they can share notes on on the industry the investor perhaps might have some great inroads in the industry that they can make in a very light and easy and transactional way. Um, so I think we're seeing more and more of that. And in that sense, it's not as much competitive as it is just more effective and more strategic. For example, um, I guess I'm coming at it from a unique angle, right? Because our check size, is, our check size varies. We don't come into a round saying we need to lead a round. Um, we pretty much can join any round. And as a result, we've gotten into some very competitive deals like Lyft, Produce Pay, and, and a more recent one that I can't share too much on yet, but I'm very excited about. And I think the reason for that is because we're able to come in um, with a flexible check size, join rounds based on plain vanilla market standard terms, and all the while provide individuals as investors who have decades of experience already built, already having built and exited perhaps relevant companies um, and have the networks to show for it. Where do you find yourself providing the most, you said about strategic value, where do you find yourself providing the most strategic value for you? I mean, I, I, I recently interviewed a, a seed funder who said the biggest thing uh, early stage investor can do is provide access to follow on money. Do you agree with that? And, and what aspects of your strategic value add do you leverage the most? I can speak to that both from in two frames of reference, both from the Red Bear Angels frame of reference and then as a manager, as a manager of Red Bear Angels myself personally. Um, to address your question first, I think, sure, being able to provide follow-on funding is important. Um, however, it's not necessarily, it's not necessarily required that that follow-on funding comes from within the firm itself. I think being able to funnel the right opportunities to the right larger, larger funds for follow-on financing is equally important. And that's something that we focus on considering that not all individual angels will dip into their pockets for, you know, seed, seed bridge and series A. Um, better yet, we can just 
pass over our pro rata or just pass over an, a great opportunity to a more traditional Series A investor who could then follow on for a Series B, say. From the RBA perspective, Red Bear Angels perspective, um, Red Bear Angels is a membership of about 380 people, all of whom have their own industries to speak for, right? So we have great medical technology experts. We have healthcare industry experts. We have coming from the Cornell alumni base, we have a ton of hospitality experts. So you can imagine when we when we source a, a company in the hotel space, we're able to pr- provide very meaningful introductions to not only potential investors, but also potential customers at the enterprise level, say a C-level executive from Hyatt or Hilton. Um, and that's a, a very interesting way of providing value as an angel group, um, just for providing access to individuals. But then myself personally, I I'm very hands-on with our portfolio in terms of helping with um, with term sheet construction if if it's an early stage round uh, with public relations. Given my background, um, simple introductions to the reporters who I know will be most excited to write about them um, and in the best light possible. Um, and then and then finally, just making those BD introductions and hiring introductions, which I am sure is pretty standard. For, for most investors today. And, and I'm interested, you said there about the size of the group and a huge congratulations to you on, on building such an extensive network. But thinking of such plurality in investors, uh, one mm-hmm. big thing that we hear a lot now is with the rise of like consumer crowdfunding platforms is uh, mom and pop putting their savings into a business and not knowing the potential pitfalls. So I'm intrigued as to whether all dumb money is is good money and, you know, it's adding to the ecosystem still, or do you think not? What's your perspective on this? Uh, that's a great question. I am in the camp that dumb money is not necessarily a bad thing. It's not necessarily dumb, right? Because when you're making an investment, you're investing in a team in the hope that that team knows what to do with it. Just because an investor might not be able to come from a background where they have experience in the space or they're able to um, follow up with that investment with qualitative value doesn't isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, you're investing in that company for a reason, and that reason is that that company will be able to utilize it to return 5, 10, maybe X down the road. One thing I will say, though, just because we have a lot of newer angel investors or folks who are newer to early stage investment in Red Bear Angels. And that is with every investment that that we facilitate, we want to ensure that at least one member of the group who is participating in a given deal has relevant domain expertise. So at least that way, the more passive investors, the ones who have less experience in that given field are able to look to um, one or two deal leads is what we call them and say, given that guy's experience or that woman's experience, I can have a little bit more security and more comfort in knowing um, the potential outcomes of this of this investment. Absolutely. So dumb money tied to strategic money is not always a bad thing. Okay. Uh, I'd love I'd love to dive into a quick fire round with you now. Great. So let's talk about uh, market size. How big a market is big enough? As long as it's growing and there's a proof of product market fit, that's big enough. I, I honestly am so hesitant. Anytime I open the slide deck and I see a slide with a billion dollar type of market sizing in it and no explanation. I think if you're starting from the bottom up market analysis, then it's a lot more interesting. And then you can actually get into some more conversation from there. What's your favorite investing resource? I think angel investing is so subjective that I actually look to a lot of the resources that are based in hard numbers and then 
make explanations for myself um, and extrapolate the explanations from there. So CB Insights is a great one there in any of the pitch book data. I also really enjoy Thomas Tungan's blog. Um, if you're interested in SaaS at all, it's just so tactical and tangible. Yeah. Um, anything Scott Kapoor puts out there for Andreessen, it goes back to the value add conversation that we're having. Maybe, maybe it's because I'm a fan of, of the platform he's created, but maybe it's because just I enjoy the content, but his recent response to, uh, to Rolf Winkler in the wall street journal based on how to evaluate, how, how to evaluate returns for an investor, um, was particularly interesting to me. And then also if you're looking at, uh, early stage SaaS, I think Bowery Capital does a great job of providing insights on, um, providing insights that are targeted at the entrepreneur, not necessarily targeted at the venture capitalist who wants to, uh, to speak better to a certain subject, although it's great for that too, but it's actually very helpful and tactical for early stage founders. And then what's your biggest challenge in your day-to-day role with RBA? Many people discuss, uh, or many people joke about the concept of herding cats as part of managing an angel group. I will challenge that notion by saying that my biggest challenge is making is that there is so much excitement and there are so many conversations going on within the Cornell Alumni Network targeted adventure that the biggest challenge is just making sure all of these learnings are transparent and streamlined. So making sure everybody's always on the same page. And then One opportunity about the most that recent we've public recently investment so made through the network of and why you said yes and right why now. you And I am so excited to tell you about that there. one. Um, although I can't tell you too much yet because it hasn't been announced yet. Uh, but what I will say is that it's our biggest investment yet. It's an investment in a company that's straight out of the computer vision department at Cornell. Two team members already generating revenue was oversubscribed within a week. Um, I had to negotiate for a larger allocation because we had so much excitement around it, which we got, which is even more exciting. But the most recently announced opportunity in which we invested is called is in a company called Reparagen. It's an anti-aging skin repair tech uh, that was developed and patented out of Wild Cornell. And it basically works by repairing the actual DNA within one's skin cells. Skin cells, excuse me. The reason why I'm excited about it, um, and I think the reason why the folks who opted in to invest in this particular opportunity are excited about it is because rather than acting as a therapeutic and having to go through all of these regulatory hurdles, such as an FDA approval process, they're actually licensing to, and and then, you know, on the flip side, as opposed to being a direct-to-consumer cosmetic company, they're not actually going through a whole direct-to-consumer branding process. Instead, and this is very strategic, they are licensing the technology itself to larger enterprise level cosmetic companies. And and that I think is particularly interesting. Um, we're really excited to support Wild Cornell. It's the first Wild company that we're investing in. Um, we're co-invested with some great people who I really admire, like Joanne Wilson and Shauna Fisher. That one will be interesting to see, will be interesting to follow along and help with. Well, Megan, it's been such a pleasure to have you on the show today. I can't thank you enough for giving up your time and, and revealing the RBA story. So very grateful. <laughs> And I'd like to say again a huge thank you to Megan for giving up her time today to appear on the show. And if you'd like to see more from Syndicate Room, then you can head over to the website at www.syndicateroom.com where you can find a whole host of angel investing articles, resources and podcasts. So do check it out. As always, we so appreciate your support and look very forward to bringing you next week's episode.